Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the DTF Podcast. Yet it is the Doster, T.O. and Phantom Podcast. It is currently 9.23 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone on Wednesday morning. We are about, I think, 21 hours removed from the end of Big East Media Day, where myself, Terrence Oglesby, and John Fanta were all posted up for our own uh, dueling live stream sessions, which was a lot of fun, actually, even though Fanta did not come over and say hello to me at any point, even though I did not ever get the chair that I asked T.O. to go pick up for me. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about top 25s. We have a big 12 preview to get into today. But first and foremost, Fanta, look, man, it's been a tough week for you. Been a tough week for Cleveland sports. I'm opening (laughs) the floor. I'm letting you go. You can say whatever you need to say. You have four minutes. Go ahead. Floor is yours, sir. Well, it really is basketball season for me now. Basketball <laughs> go Cavs. is the only thing on my mind. Go Cavs. College hoops is coming. We're less than three weeks out. So it's like my sports teams took us, took me as far as they possibly could have taken me. The Browns, albeit six weeks, and they just quit on Sunday. They totally quit. I don't know what that performance was against the New England Patriots. You cannot not know how to win and then face Bill Belichick. It's like it's basically pronouncing you dead in the NFL. So they're two and four. I have no hope for them. It, when Watson does return to the team and I, everyone's like, well, when Watson comes back, well, he hasn't played a game for the Browns yet. So when he arrives to the Browns, it's not even going to matter. It's a moot point. And you know what? The Browns probably deserved it. All my Twitter followers would agree because they hate on me every week for being a Browns fan. So there you go, Twitter followers. The Browns probably deserved it. The Guardians, great season. Nobody expects them to do anything. Won the lowest payrolls in baseball. And they reestablished belief in the town. And they've got a terrific window that is now wide open for the next couple of seasons. Having said this, you're up 2-1 in the ALDS. You win that game three. You seize all the momentum. And Garrett Cole took everything back from you. And then Mother Nature said, "Ah, I don't really like the Yankees bullpen either, so I'm going to give Nestor Cortez a day to rest. And everything went to you-know-what on Tuesday afternoon in the Bronx. The Yankees were the better team. Now they're going to go in the ALCS. They're probably going to lose to the Astros. My team's done, though. I would much rather be in the ALCS and at least have a chance against the Astros. And here I am sitting here and I'm sad bastard. I'm the sad bastard from Cleveland. (laughs) All my team. I'm the kid with no toys at Christmas. None of my teams are doing anything. They're all losing. All I've been doing is losing. I'm ready for college hoops because I can cover some winning. (laughs) Well, Fanta, look, at least you got the Cavs, man. The Cavs are going to be good. I'm All excited right. about that. We need to we need to start revving the engine on the Cavs bandwagon. OK, I, I, I don't want this negativity. I don't want this anti-Cleveland bias that you're starting to throw out here. OK, no, no, it's all I love Cleveland sports. It's all Cavs all day. Fanta, I need you to be ready for it because enjoy. <laughs> enjoy that team, Cleveland, while you still have them until they all move to New York like Fanta did. Exactly. Oh, shut up. <laughs> don't talk about moving. Don't talk. Right. Look. Look, I, I, I am excited about Donovan Mitchell, though. And I think, before we talk college basketball, Donovan Mitchell is one of the best people in the NBA. It's, it's very apparent. Like, he's so active already in the community. He was already – he's become a Cleveland guy. He actually likes 
New York teams. So that's why people thought that that would happen. But look, the Cavs made one of the splashes of the offseason. I think they could be a top five team in the Eastern Conference. And two years ago, they were in the basement of the Eastern Conference. So I'm excited for Cleveland Cavaliers basketball. Uh, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, for those of you who haven't been watching Mobley play in the pros, Oh my gosh. He's Very he's like good. a he's like a 10-year NBA veteran on the defensive end of the floor. He's high level defense. He's very good. Very he's good. Very good. All right. Very so good. we both we were all at Big East Media Day. I don't want to turn this into too much of a Big East centric podcast since we uh we did we did two hours of uh of Big East content yesterday. Fanta did two and a half hours of Big East uh Big East centric content yesterday. So we don't need to spend too much time on it, but just kind of like your biggest takeaway, because I'll tell you this, guys. I normally despise going to media days. I normally try to find a way to get out of all media days. And yesterday, sitting on that stream, having the coaches come by, I don't know if it was because it was the first time, like really since COVID, we were able to get out there and not have to worry about anything. I don't know if it was because the league is going to be so good. I don't know if everybody was just happy to see T.O. sitting there bringing everyone, hey, what's up, big fella? You look great today. Look at that drip. Look at those shoes. What do you got on a turtleneck? Yeah, my man. I don't know what it was, but it felt like <laughs> yesterday was a lot more fun than I think I've ever I did, had. I did juice up the the, the college kids. I, I ever, well, as soon as they sat down, I was like, man, you look good. Look, look at you, man. Like, how often you dress in suits? You ought to do it more often. So as soon as they would sit down, Fanta, they were just like, yeah, I look great. I look great. The kid from DePaul, the first one of the whole thing was the funniest one. Uh, I, I, I honestly felt like I was Nick. on the red carpet because T.O. Ganda. would come by. Oh, T.O. They, they come by and T.O. goes, hey, so what are you, what are you wearing? Who, who do you got on today? <laughs> yeah, fashion police. Look at you. You got new balances on with that suit. Nobody can touch you, son. Nobody can touch you. <laughs> just, just firing them up. Uh, no, it, what, what are we talking about? Biggest takeaways? How much it was? I don't know. Just what were your thoughts on it? I had a great time. I, I had I was a lot not of fun. Expecting it. I, I, I had a lot of fun. Typically, I don't. I've done two years of media days, and I'll never forget calling you, uh, Rob, as soon as it was over. I was like, "This is bullshit." Like, you don't get anything out of the coaches. Nobody really wants to be there. They just want to get back to practice. And the funny thing was, was yesterday, like, the fact that everybody was back in the garden for the first time in a few years, like, the inner, like, the excited people were excited to be there, which is not something you typically get at a media day. Right. And I, I thought, I gave we, we gave Ed Cooley a hard time for bringing his entire roster, <laughs> but like, there's something to be said for bringing people in that building and then seeing what it brings out of people. Right. Like I, I was kind of like, yeah, Madison square garden is just another place. No, it's not like it, it they brought the, the jumbotron down or whatever yep. you call it in the middle. And, and uh, it, it just, it put a lot of things in perspective. And I think people were excited to be there again. Like that, that was a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Fanta anything. Well, what I love about Big East Media Day is you start the season on the floor of where you're going to end it. That's cool. 144 days later. It really feels like a storybook type of thing because when the guys – anytime you put an event inside Madison Square Garden, I mean, you could put anything in there. You could put a chess tournament. You could put hamster races. I don't care what it is. Like, put something at MSG, and it just makes it feel big. It makes it feel big. The lights, that roof, everything about the building. And you never take a trip there for granted. 
Like when you walk in there, you always feel like, wow, like there's just value to being inside the world's most famous arena because it does feel exactly like that when you're inside. You know how some places say they got the best cup of coffee or that they're the best at this? Like the garden actually has that vibe. It really does when you when you walk in. There's no other vibe like it. I also think the four head coaching additions just give the Big East different cachet. I mean, at the end of the day, you had two guys in there and Sean Miller and Thad Mata who have won close to 75% of their games. Look at Shaheen Holloway's mob scene yesterday because he became the star of March and he's got this approachable New York way about him. So he's people like that swagger. Hey, they look, really I, I will. I love Shaheen. Approachable is not the. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> not I would, the phrase I'm not that sure I would have used. And that I word. think that. And I think that he. Like, that's what he wants to be. Like he, approachable is not is not the way that I would phrase. Well, he's a good guy. I'm not trying to take shots. I but. put a twist on it. I put a twist on it. Um, I, I I do because I agree with you. I think he's dealing with the 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 stresses of the Seton Hall job, so he's kind of sort of shutting down. But I, but I also think that this is part of the times that we're in right now. I found guys last March that because he's got this underdog story, Cinderella story, everybody wants a piece of the pie, right? Mm-hmm. So then everybody feels like they now know him because they might ask him a press conference question. He gave them the, we do that, or that's who we are. Like, he, that's what, that's the star he became. So let's see if maybe that changes a little bit with some time. The point is, you've got some big-name coaches in this league. There's tons of parity. There's some fresh storylines in this conference. UConn seems to just always have a, a, a compelling effect. All you have to see is Dan Hurley and then Adama Sanogo getting named preseason player of the year stirred the pot in the conference. So to me, it, it really was a great day. And I think you, you're right, Rob. Like The league is stacked. You could interchange probably – four or five through eight or nine in this league. It's, mm-hmm. it's a toss up. Any one of those teams could win. And then who knows at the top of the league, Xavier being picked second is a huge headline because Villanova hasn't been picked lower than second in close to 10 years in the big East. Yep. All right. Let's get into some of this top 25 conversation. The AP top 25 poll came out on Monday. And uh, Villanova is going to play their freshman. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was, Yo, that was that was a hell of a moment. Got a, hey, Kyle Neptune got on me, Fanta. <laughs> He's like, hold, hold on, hold on was, one second. Hold on one. I was like, he was well, he kind of spoke out of both sides of his mouth because he was like, Hold on, I gotta name all these freshmen that played minutes. And then he goes back like later in the conversation. He's like, Well, our best players, they redshirt or like they they're part of the process. I was I was like, that's what I was that's what I was alluding to. But yeah, anyway, sorry. He's back done to that. Top- yeah, you were you just might have been the fifth or sixth person that asked it that yeah, day. He, so yeah, no, he got he got me with that in the off season too. And he yeah. just yeah. here's the thing, and I, I know why he's doing it, because they get crushed on the recruiting trail with if you go to Villanova, you're gonna have to redshirt as a freshman. So he's like, No, we play freshmen except for the ones we redshirt, which like is true. But he's got to push this there. Like he's got to push that storyline. He's got to be able to get his kids. He's got to go get that next Cam Whitmore. I'm not hating on it. You got to do what you got to do, Kyle. I respect yeah. it. And anybody, anybody that'll come out here and put T.O. in his place is uh, <laughs> it's a story that I can get behind. The moral of the story is screw you, Terrence. That, bingo. That's yeah, exactly what it was. All right. Let's talk about some of this top 25 uh, nonsense. What I thought was interesting is that if you look at the AP poll, 
and you look at the almanac poll, which was what like the all the people that wrote the almanac, us, heat check, three man weave, right? Uh, the, the verbal commits guys, which by the way, you could buy the link in the description below 1999, 600,000 words, 814 pages. Every single division one team has 1300 words minimum written about them. Uh, AP and the almanac have the same top three, different order. AP and the almanac have the same top 12, all in a different order. And that just uh, it stood out to me a little bit. Um, the other big takeaways I had, how about this? If you look at all of the, the rankings, all of the polls, and all of the metrics, uh, the main ones, EvanMaya.com, Bart Torvik, pull out your Torvik TL, and, uh, and Ken Palm, there is no Big Ten team in the top 10 of any of them. It's the first time there's been no Big Ten team ranked in the preseason AP poll since 1977. So, T.O., talk me through a little bit. What do you see in these rankings? What do you see in these takeaways? And by the way, the Field of 68 Daily, check the link in the description. It is our newsletter. Uh, there, you, you can subscribe it there. Um, you get it every morning, 8.30 a.m., coming into your inbox. They broke all of this stuff down. Really good breakdown there from Mike Miller the other day. But anyway, T.O., go ahead. I like the Houston pick at number one just because of their toughness factor and Marcus Sasser coming back, uh, the Almanac doing that. Uh, you know what? The, the preseason pro polls are preseason polls. I'm sitting here trying to count who in different conferences and everything like that. It's a lot of what we already know. I mean, the, the ACC could potentially be top-heavy or they could have a lot of players just depending on who you – or they could have a lot of different teams depending on who you talk to. Uh, Big, Big 12 is going to be excellent. We're going to talk about them later. I mean, what's the, I'm not really sure that the preseason polls, they are what they are. It's kind of like my preseason polls. Like we're just guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not really sure what we should go. Well, I'm not, where I, I'm not, I don't that. know about you. I'm not guessing. Uh, well, I can see the future. The, haven't okay. you, haven't you seen, yeah, you, you, seen you and Greg Waddell, you and Greg Waddell, you guys see <laughs> the future. Exactly. Exactly. No, the, I, I just, the, the, the most interesting thing was, I think it, that there's two very clear tiers at the top Fanta. I I don't I think that the top three is obvious. And if you want to put Kentucky in with that, the the group of three, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Houston and Kentucky, I'm not going to push back on you on it. Um, But I think that they would probably be the clear cut number four in the preseason, at least for me, for them. And then the like the rest of the top 12, it would be uh, Kansas, Baylor, Duke, UCLA, Creighton, Arkansas, Tennessee and Texas. And I think that that is very much the clear cut next tier of teams. I agree with you. And I, I just think that any poll you see, it becomes clear that the Big 12 at the top is just so, so strong. I mean, in the AP, four of the top 14. And here's how difficult it was to vote Baylor or Kansas, because I do think that's a, a great argument today of who's going to win the Big 12 on our, on our show, who is going to win it, Baylor or Kansas. I think there's cases for both. And they tied in the AP poll pretty mm-hmm. fittingly. You know, when I, when I go down the AP, nothing shocked me per se. I mean, there, there's nothing in here that, that I looked at and said, hmm, you know, Michigan and Illinois both sliding in there at, at the end. That's interesting to me that the AP voters, I'm sure look at Hunter Dickinson and, and look at what Michigan has brought in and say they've got enough to be a top 25 team. But I agree with that. I think Illinois guys on their best day could be like 12 or 13 and on their worst could be 35 to 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting to see them in the preseason poll because I think they're one of the most curious teams in the country with Terrence Shannon and with Sky Clark and, and with RJ Melendez, who I expect to take a leap. 
But there's nothing that shocked me in the AP poll. Ken Palm had a ton that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Number oh. one being number one being Kentucky at number one. Your boys. Just to, just Take that victory that lap, Fana. Take oh, the victory lap it. while you could do it. Take that victory I lap. Am, I'm so glad that the computers of Ken Pomeroy, of Kenny Pom Poms, <laughs> like for everything that gets said negatively about Ken, I am going to be praising him for putting Kentucky at number one. But guys, I'll leave you with this on, on my breakdown of the top 25 in Ken Pom. Creighton down at 22. Well, here, here's there's two things that really stood out. Well, I guess there's a lot Texas. of things that really stood out to me. Virginia, Ken- Virginia at five. Virginia was ranked fifth. North Carolina yeah. was ranked ninth. Yeah, Texas I, was ranked second. Way, I, go ahead. Baylor and Kansas ranked outside of the top eight on campus. I'm sitting so here. I'm go ahead, between, where, I'm looking at the Almanac top 25. Where's Virginia? Uh, where? They did not make the Almanac preseason top 25. <laughs> which, and where's UConn? UConn is 22nd in the Almanac. That Do you think that was my influence? I had Virginia in the yes, top 25. I absolutely I had, I had think it was your influence. <laughs> if you want to see the, the bigger influence on, uh, on the way that this voting happened, uh, Heat Check Media, heavy, heavy, heavy Mountain West vibes coming out of there. Look at where San Diego State is in, our, in the Almanac top yeah, 25. Too high. At number too 13. high, but no, but no Virginia in the Almanac. That's it. Yeah, that, that was that I, I completely agree with you. I had them that they should be top 20. No doubt about yeah. it. I, I want to, no but there, there are two things I want to ask you guys about because the the Ken Palm, the ratings for for preseason can get a little wonky because you have to deal with transfers and you have freshmen coming in and it's just kind of like sometimes there's little bugs in that algorithm that that need 10, 12, 14 games worth of data to kind of work themselves out. Yes. Um. So like the, I, I'm not too too thrown by any of that. What I want to ask you about, To, I'm going to go to you on this one first, and and Fanta, we're going to come to you on Creighton next, but To. Tennessee, preseason top five in all of the metrics that we care about. Of course. Evan Maya, pull out your Torvik, and Ken Palm. Talk well, to me about it, the Vols, man. Well, analytics. This is a football. I mean, this is a football. We don't – Hendon Hooker's not walking through that door. Dude, these first are, of all – This is Rick Barnes and the Vols. This is the hoop side. Yeah, they've been a basketball school for a while now. So, like, because Tennessee's football team has been so bad, but thank God they're better because it makes it easier on my heart because closet Tennessee football fan here. But – uh they, they, they return everybody. Santiago, hey, hey, Santiago we, I, just the for the one. record, I FaceTime T.O. after Tennessee won that game on Saturday night, and him and his son were going nuts. Yeah, okay, we they got a, you got a pretty nice setup down there in Greenville. You got, yeah, you got, yeah, the, big, you got the big old flat screen on a patio outside, a little fire pit over there, a little football action going on outside. But he's sitting there watching. I FaceTime him, him and his son are going nuts. Yeah, but my son knows the words to Rocky Top. Yeah, they were singing Rocky Top. That is true. <laughs> yeah, my, my son knows the words to Rocky Top. We Hey, here's the crazy part, and people don't realize this, how crazy Tennessee fans are. You are taught the words to Rocky Top in second grade. <laughs> right alongside the Pledge of Allegiance. And the First Communion. <laughs> yeah, bingo. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like it, it is right there. Uh, I like that team because, one, they still return a lot. I think – John Fulkerson was a really good player, but I think there was a lot of talent behind him. And I think because Rick Barnes trusted John so much, he kept him out there. Olivier Kamwa, some of these different guys are going to get a bigger role this season. And then Santiago Vescovi was the best shooter in the conference last year. As as far as shots made, what do you make, 102 threes, 104 threes, something like that? Like, And you bring him a main man, Julian Phillips, who's a bucket, who fits in well with all the other pieces that they have around, Josiah Jordan-James. 
I could see where analytically, and that's all this is, uh, that team would make a lot of sense because there's continuity, there's good stats, so on and so forth. Same reason Kentucky's high, right? Because you look at Oscar Sheboy, his stats, Severe Wheeler, what kind of shooter he was, Frederick comes back, shot 50%. That makes sense that they would be number one with all these analytics-based institutions that we're using. So th- there's obviously grains of salt to be put with those because those are numbers only. There's not a whole lot. Of, I'm sitting here and watching the game and seeing how guys fit together. But at the same time, like there, it's reasonable to think that if you're able to quantify how these guys are going to play together, which is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's always a big if there's always the if factor. Right. So that's yeah, kind of the different part about it. I'll say this about Tennessee. I don't know how many backcourts you're going to have that are as good as or better than Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi. There's probably not 10. There may not be five. Uh, you combine that with uh, with Josiah Jordan James and mm-hmm. Julian Phillips in the two wing spots and Olivier Kama, who has some very real like breakout potential. If you go back and you really watch Tennessee, there was a stretch of about eight games in like the what was it January where he was maybe their best player. Yeah, when foot when, players, when, when then he got was hurt. hurt. Was it yeah, was it a foot, a hand, whatever he then he went down for the year. Maybe it was it was something. He got hurt, went down for the year. Uh, yeah. but bringing Kamwa yeah. in with those two guards and those two wings, like that's gonna be a really, really good team. Top five might be pushing it a little bit for me right from the jump, but I like they're they're unquestionably to me like a top 10 team. Well, Fanta, Creighton, every single metric has them outside the top 20. Is that just a product of uh not being able to anticipate what the jump is going to be for some of these freshmen becoming sophomores? I think that's part of it. I, I think part of it is what we see in a team that gave the eventual national champion, Kansas, all that it could handle in the round of 32 and nearly won that game. One might argue could should have won that game with where they were positionally in that game. I think that what we look at from a team, Creighton was this close to losing to San Diego State in the first round. And we probably aren't talking about them in this heavy of a realm if they lose that first round game. We're probably thinking top 15, top 20, not what many people are thinking in top 10. Mm -hmm. But I think that by the same token, the metrics don't fully account for, for what this team has as a whole, what this team got in Baylor Shireman and being around Creighton yesterday, you got to leave somebody off. You got to leave somebody off. They had four all Big East preseason recognitions. Guys, I did not have to ask. I didn't even ask the question. And Creighton people were coming up to me saying, hey, Trey Alexander did not get honored in the preseason. And we're telling you, Fanta, don't be stupid. T.O. was with me for one of the conversations. They said, do not be dumb. You are going to look smart. With this take, I'm like, okay, hand it over. (laughs) Trey Alexander will be their best, if not their second best player. They said that he will be an NBA player down the road. Now, I've walked into one Creighton practice, and I was very impressed with Alexander, but I haven't been in that facility every day, so they know it better than I do. The point, Creighton is stacked with really good pieces. They probably don't have the Big East player of the year, but that's actually a good thing for this team. Any given night it could be cock runner any given night it could be a different dude they're deep they have several different options offensively you know mcdermott's going to design a a great system i i was surprised 
to not see them higher according to the metrics. But I think it's a combination of how close they came to Kansas and just how much they returned. Yeah, and my, my guess, when honestly, we break Fincher, team, when well, we break well, my, teams down. Yeah, go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I just was going to say, when we break teams down, we value returning experience and what you did that previous March. We value that very significantly. Yeah, and they had so many freshmen last season that were playing early and were playing very, very poorly against teams like Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and other people. That's going to bring down the numbers for the entire year for Creighton as opposed to if you just look at what they were from January on, what they were in Big East play, what they were in the last month of the season, and kind of anticipate what that jump is going to be. So they're always going to be a little bit undervalued by the metrics just because of the way that, that that works. All right, you know what time it is, fellas. Hey, I got to give you credit real quick before we move on. I got to give you credit, Rob, because when we were watching the Big East tournament, you're like, Trey Alexander is going to be a first round pick. Thank you. I've been I've been leading the Trey Alexander hype train uh, for for years. Okay, not years, years, year, year. Well, actually, the reason why I'm leading the hype train is because I uh, might have heard from a little birdie that may or may not be employed by Creighton before we interviewed Trey Alexander in like December of last year that, hey, you, you want to pay attention to this kid. He's going to be very, very good. The uh, The quote was, he is the best defender that we've had, um, the, the best natural defender that we've had here including guys like Kalkbrenner and including guys like Kyrie Thomas, who was a two-time defensive player of the year. So as soon as you saw that and then him go over, start playing point guard with those physical measurements, boom, sold all in. All right. We got 35 minutes here. We're going to go into the big 12. We're going to break down this, uh, this conference. Let's start with this. I want for, for each of you guys, I want what your most interesting storyline is heading into the season. Fanta, we'll go to you first. We're dropping our merch. We got to start calling Underwood Daddy Brad. But I'm a big odd guy. Breaking news. The Field of 68 has an online store, and it's your one-stop shop for the latest and greatest merch in college basketball and college football. You can find shirts to support your favorite team, make fun of your rival team, or boast Field of 68 catchphrases like Daddy Brad, Cussing and Discussing, and the Star Heels. Go to www.fieldof68.shop today and enter promo code TOUCHDOWN for 20% off at checkout. In the Big 12? In the Big 12, sir. Yeah, in the in the Big 12, the most interesting storyline to me is TCU. TCU could have their best season in program history. Mike Miles is an absolute star. And I was happy to see that he was the Big 12 preseason player of the year and that he got recognized with that honor. Defensively, they're tough as nails. They've got real length guys that can affect the game. And they should have been a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament last year. They were right there and could have very well beaten Arizona. So we could be talking even more highly of them. But in this Big 12 picture, where Kansas and Baylor dominate the headlines. Texas looks very, very good. And I think Tyrese Hunter, if TCU weren't my top storyline, it would be how Hunter and Marcus Carr work together. I want to see if one of these off-brands could win the Big 12. It's no disrespect to TCU, but they're not what Kansas, Baylor, and Texas are from a Uh, brand standpoint. Chris Beard, paging Chris Beard, uh, John Fanta just called Texas. The University of Texas no, off-brand. 
No, I didn't do that. He just no, called, him, he he just called him an off-brand. No, he was talking about off-brand in the Big 12 as far as yeah. Baylor. He just, called, a, he just called him an off-brand. Oh. <laughs> Terrence, I, did I, I do that? that? I must have heard that wrong. Fanta, shame on you. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the <laughs> no, no, no. The no, generic, I know what you're the, saying, you got the You got the Kroger version right there. You got the generic I version. I know what you're saying, Fanta. That, that, <laughs> it is intriguing. T, TCU is intriguing. Th- those two lead guards, Mike Miles and Damian Ball, Yes. Uh, they turn it over a lot. That That's kind of my only hang up. Are they going to be able to clean that up? Damian Ball, like, he shoot sees it. it. You got to shoot it, man. Yeah, he, it. but he sees it. But he really sees the floor. Here, My thing with him is, he remi- <laughs> this is going to be a crazy comparison. He reminds me a lot of uh, Alfred Payton coming out of college. Kind of the same, not as dominant. He plays at a bigger school, Didn't doesn't shoot it, but really passes it and really defends. He reminds me kind of a, a, same measurements, same wingspan, does a lot of the same things. He just can't shoot it. And their risk-reward situation is an issue because they turn it over way too much. They do. Turnovers kill you in the Big 12. They kill you. Yeah, I just think, I just think what Jamie Dixon has built there is not an easy job, and it seems like all the pieces are in place for them to have that historic year. I mean, last year they won an NCAA tournament game for the first time since 1987. They probably you think right? You think about Chuck O'Bannon Jr., Emmanuel Miller, and Eddie Lampkin. Mm-hmm. They've got dudes, and they're fun to watch. They were extremely fun to watch the yeah. NCAA tournament last year. So we'll we'll see if they do live up to the high expectations, being a top fifteen preseason team, gentlemen, and in some I, polls, top ten. Yeah, highest they've ever been ranked in the preseason. To what's your most intriguing storyline? Uh, Baylor being preseason picked to, to win the league. And in, in my opinion, that's an intriguing one, but the one I'm going to go with is Kansas state and Jerome Tang. Like they had to fill a lot of roster spots and not only Tang in his first season after being at Baylor, since Scott Drew started at Baylor, which was what 1974 or no 2000. What was it? 2004, 2003. Yeah. I can't remember right did now. You, so did you say 1974. Yeah. I was being, I don't know. I don't know if Scott Drew was alive in 1974. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. <laughs> Do it. He's been at Baylor for a long time. He, I, I, yes, I think yes. he would attest to that. Uh, no, but Tang getting his first head coaching job in the, in the toughest league. Uh, top to bottom in the country. I think that's going to be interesting to see. Keontae Johnson coming back. That's another major storyline after having a health scare at Florida State when he was playing for the Gators a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm really interested to see how this Kansas State team uh, moves forward. And they've got one of the biggest sleepers, guys. I'm Mm. telling you. Hold on. Save it. Save it. I'll let you be the one. I'll I'll let you be the one to hype him up. Save it for uh, there's a later section we're going to get to save. it. I'll I'll, I'll let you go all in on him because I know who you're talking about and I'm with you. For me, the most interesting storyline is is Kansas, right? They have a roster that is good enough to at least make a run at going back to back and doing that while you have all of this cloud of the NCAA stuff and probably the ruling coming down at some point during the season, right? Of whatever punishment Bill Self is going to get for something that happened 27 years ago. I'm pretty sure that the violations that were committed by Kansas happened in Scott Drew's first season back in 1996 at Baylor, right? That's how long ago this, this whole, this whole deal was. But to me, I mean, look, you got the, you got the reigning national champions in this conference and they bring back enough pieces that it should be very interesting to see uh, if they can find a way to make it happen. I'm also Oklahoma state. They're eligible for the tournament again. Do the basketball gods look down kindly on them for everything that they dealt with last year? Um, all right, let's 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 do this. Kansas and Baylor 
I think we all agree are the two teams at the top of the conference with yep. Texas, uh, TCU, maybe Texas Tech kind of nipping at their heels a little bit. But let's start with this. I want to know who you got as the favorite to win. Kansas, Baylor. You got to put all your chips in the middle. You got to take all your money and go to betrivers.com and bet it on one of those two teams. Who you got? T.O., let's go to you first. Uh, Baylor. For me right now, Baylor, those three guards of Flagler, L.J. Cryer, and Keontae George are going to be a bear. And that ball is going to move. All three can score. All three can shoot. That that floor is going to be wide open. And they added Jalen Bridges, right, from, from West Virginia who can step out and shoot it. Caleb Lohner is a nice player, a BYU transfer, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, can handle the ball, can play some five. And then I, I don't know what the deal is with Chamwa Chachua. If he's able to come back, he's still injured. It's going to be a while. Uh, but Baylor has all the pieces and they have all the scoring and guys that complement their style of play. And, and you're going to look at Keontae George a lot like you looked at those guards a few years ago. They can start that chain of events. They can get past that first line of defense and get guys to collapse. That's when Baylor's good. Like that's when the ball's getting sprayed out. That's when they were, whenever they're able to attack closeouts. Uh, this Baylor team's really good. Kansas did lose a lot, and I think there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period, not at home because they're going to win everything at home. But on the road, uh, Kevin McCuller, some of these guys, like who's going to be their go-to guy? Grady Dick is getting a lot of publicity because Bill Self or somebody over at Kansas called him the best shooter he thinks he's ever coached. I mean, like there's a lot of optimism at Kansas. I do think they lost a lot, and I also think that Keontae George is just a special talent, guys. Yeah. I the one thing I will say about Kansas, um, I think Jalen Wilson's going to be their best player. I think he's going to yep. be the best player in the conference. I would have him as a preseason player of the year. Wow! Uh, just the the rumblings coming out. The the issue with him, he shot twenty six percent from three last year. If you get that up yeah. to like 36, 37, which is probably what he is as a shooter. Yeah. And you you look back at the success they had in the COVID year when they would play Jalen Wilson at the five. I think we're going to see a lot of that this season. So it's going to be interesting. One other thing I would add, Dewan Harris, Fanta, uh, I think you're going to see um, the reins come off a little bit. I think that just talking with people around that program, listening to Bill Self chat, uh, I, I think that he thinks there's more that Dewan can do. And like last year, he was a game manager because you have a pro on this side, a pro on this side, and a monster at the five, right? Well, now you're going to need him to kind of step up a little bit and be a little bit more of a playmaker. So who you got, Fanta? I got Kansas winning the league. I, I love love Baylor. I got Kansas. Well, I side with T.O., and I, I, I go with Baylor for the reasons he just listed. In addition, Jalen Bridges, the fact that they were able to bring him in on top of everything they have back makes them, to me, the Big 12 favorite. But to spice it up a little bit, I'll give you reasons why Kansas could win the Big 12. Number one, versatility. Kansas should be switchable defensively. They really honed in on bringing in versatile players, and that starts with Kevin McCuller. McCuller can guard pretty much any position. He's a six-foot-six wing, guys, who just does a little bit of everything and showed it in the NCAA tournament last year. He affects the game in so many ways. He, To me, he's the perfect Bill Self off-season acquisition because I think he just fits right in. They know him well. He knows them well. Intra-conference transfer that makes a lot of sense. It's Texas Tech's loss, but it's Kansas's game. Mm-hmm. Grady Dick, the, the fact is, like for, for me with Kansas, I don't think that, that Grady Dick and MJ Rice are going to have problems being able to contribute. Kansas, to me, comes down to some of the other returning players who did not get a ton of opportunities last year or got hurt. And so as a result, rotation gets shortened. 
and we don't have a huge sample size of these guys performing at a high level. There's a lot of buzz around Joseph Yesifu. Is he going to be able to take a leap in his second year with the program? Because last year he was a non-factor. What happens with Bobby Pettiford? I've heard that the injuries are still affecting him, but I know that if he ever gets on the floor, that he oh. can impact Kansas in a big way. I know how high T.O. is on him. I'll, I'll so say to- this real quick about Pettiford. Um, the breakout is going to be next season is my guess because the injury limited yeah. his ability to do any kind of work through the summer. So, like, he hasn't had that chance to work out and develop and improve. So, I, the talent's there. I think the breakout's right. coming next season. The last thing I'll say on Kansas is when you're in a position that they're in where you go from David McCormick and when you're systematically known for having the – when you have your best teams, you've got great play at the five. Now you've got this situation where you've got Zach Clemens, you've got Ernest Sude Jr., and you've got Zuby Ejiofor, uh, and then the D2 transfer, Cam Martin. The fact is their options at the five, they've got some options, but they have a high level of unknown between inexperience and then that freshman class. So will we see Uday Jr. or Ejiofor come into the program and deliver at a high level? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. What they do at the five is the biggest storyline with Kansas. If they figure that out, and if Jalen Wilson is the best player in the conference, then maybe Rob is right and they'll win the league. But I side with Baylor. I thought the injury bug caught up to them. I like what they've got back in Cryer, Flagler. And then if Shamwa Chachua comes back healthy later in the season, watch out. I uh, I would um, – well, I would not expect JTT uh, to be much of anything this season. Um, I will say this. Caleb Lohner at Baylor is uh, is going to be the guy that, that kind of steps in and plays the – I don't really want to say like the Mark Vital role because I don't think that he can necessarily do what Mark Vital does, but like the change of pace guy at the five for uh, for Lothamba because um, when he they they tried to make him like a wing at uh, at BYU and he lost a bunch of weight so they put some muscle back on him at Baylor and they're going to use him as kind of like because he could pass the ball he could shoot a little bit create some stuff for him. Um, I will say this about Kansas lineups where you have Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller. Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, and KJ Adams out there are, I think, going to be a thing and something that could be very, very intriguing to watch. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Bill Self can throw out there with these like five out, small ball, switchable lineups. All right, uh, the most underrated team in the conference. We're going to talk about. We'll, we'll get to Texas and uh, Texas Tech in a second, but I want to talk about the most underrated team. To floor is yours. You and I agree on this one. We stand in the same place. Jerome Tang, Kansas State Wildcats. Tell me why. Tell me why they could be a tournament team. I, I just there's a kid coming out of junior college that nobody knows about. His name is Naquan Tomlin, and he's about 6'10, 6'11, Fanta. And if you turn on his film from his junior college, he was Juco Giannis. Mm. And it is hilarious to watch. He's from New York City, correct? Like, and he goes down. He never played high school basketball, only fooled around with his friends, went down to a JUCO, and then grew to 6'10 and plays like a guard. Like, this kid has all the ability in the world. He's one of the best, if not the highest upside draft prospect in the conference. Wow. That's that's saying a lot. Oh, my gosh. People don't know about him yet. I talked to a couple of NBA scouts that they didn't know about him. I was like, guys, you have to go down and watch this. And then you can call Kansas State staff 
which Rob has done. I have not done that, which Rob has done. And they rave about the kid by far their most talented player, including Keontae Johnson. Yeah. Tang is, uh, is, is very, very, very high on this dude. He is a Um, bad, very, very high on this dude. Like he, is it going to turn it? Is it going to turn into production in the big 12? A little bit slower. I mean, he's league, never, he's like, never played at this level, right? Yeah. He's never, we've never seen him do it. So when, when T.O. comes out here and says this, it's because he has the potential to be able to do that. And if Bingo. you watch the film and you watch the tape and it, he's, he's a layup line scout fan. He's one of these guys where if you just go watch him shoot layups, you're like human beings aren't supposed to be able to move like that. <laughs> now there's a huge difference between goofing off with your friends, right? playing juco ball at the level that he played it and walking into the big fucking 12 okay there's yeah. a big 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 difference but if it all comes together for him and it probably won't until i would guess around the start of conference play like you're gonna have to give it some time he's gonna be one of these guys that can kind of take off at the end of the season so a couple of Keanu things Kay, he does like, do a couple of things he does do he has excellent timing blocking shots mm-hmm. translates he was an excellent juco rebounder that translates. He's 6'10, 210. Like he's going to be able to match up. I, I honestly think if he's focused in on that end, and I don't know the kid personally because I never saw him in high school. Nobody did. Never saw. I, I'm basing this all off film. His athleticism is going to let him guard one through five in college, mm-hmm. one through five. And I say that without hesitation. He is a special type of athlete. He moves so well with the ball. He's got a little shake. Jump shot is a little wonky, but you would expect that from somebody who never even played high school ball, right? But, like, the tools are there. And it's almost like he doesn't know any better because he doesn't have, he hasn't developed any bad habits per se because he never really played in a system thing. He's always just goofed around. And then it's just turned into some kind of explosion. Like, it, it's unbelievable to watch him on film. Yeah, I, I will say this. I, I totally agree with you. I think that Kansas State's the most underrated team in the league. Uh, Marquise Noel um, is an all-Big 12 guy that is coming back, and he's going to be really, really good. They got Desi Sills coming in, who was at Arkansas State. He was at Arkansas Central, something He was at Central Arkansas. Central, Central Ar- but he was at Arkansas prior to that. Yeah, but, yeah, he was at Arkansas. He was a former top 50 recruit. Like, he's a good player. Keontae Johnson, Daquan, uh, Naquan Tomlin. Uh, they got the David Guess- and Guessing kid coming in from uh, – from okay. um, Virginia Tech, yeah, Virginia Tech, who should be able to get some more playing time. They got a kid coming in from uh, the Wake Forest transfer, Masood. Uh, they, they got they got some good pieces, and they are we have them for the Almanac picked the last in the Big mm. Twelve. And I just I refuse to believe that this team is going to finish last in the Big Twelve. I have that much. Faith I got Oklahoma last. Yeah, I, I'm kind of. I think they could be last. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you there. Um, all right, Phantom, most underrated team. Iowa State, I think that they had a, a solid offseason. Bringing in Osun Osani from St. Bonaventure, that's a guy that he's a dude. Like, he isn't – why are you laughing at me? It's Oshun Oshunayi. They yeah, call him I, Shun. I, I always forget his name. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a hard name to say, man. Yeah, yeah. Not, easy one. not all of us can be blessed with a last name like Fanta, which is easy to remember and easy to pronounce. Or right. Ali Ali. Or all yeah, I, I should remember that because I interviewed Oshun last year, but I just forgot is, is how you pronounce his name. Hassan Ward, Demarion Watson as well. They, they made some nice transfer additions. Defensively, we know that, that Otz is going gonna, is gonna to have them in the right places. Now, last year, we know that offense was hard to come by for this team. They do bring back a, a couple of key pieces. I, I think that one of the, 
biggest pieces for them is Caleb Grill because his three-point shooting seemed to open things up for them offensively, not just Grill, but Gabe Kalsher uh, is a guy that's going to be important for what they do and could be a guy that takes another step up this year. And if he does, if he and Grill are able to provide, Oshun is a guy that protects the rim, makes great defensive plays. Like, he was in a St. Bonaventure uniform last year, but he's ready for to me, I'm not as concerned about him making the transition to the Big 12. I think it'll be a transition, but I think he's physical enough to play at a high level. For Iowa State, it's just, are they making enough perimeter shots, and do they have enough effectiveness on the offensive end of the floor? Who the hell's going to score? That, that, that's the question. Yeah, exactly right, Fanta. Sorry, for, I agree with For you. sure. Who, who the hell's going to score? But I, I just, I really like the way that they went about business last year, even though they had a taste of reality in the Big 12, they still show what they're capable of in the NCAA tournament and made into the second weekend. So to me, I think a lot of people are discounting them again this year. I think, I think many people think, yeah, they're probably an NIT team. I could see them sliding into the, the NCAA tournament because I think TJ Otzelberger will, will find enough offense. And it's not necessarily going to be pretty, but I think the Cyclones – will be gritty enough to get their way onto the big dance floor. My, my, my biggest concern is just the the point guard play there. Losing Jeremiah Williams, I think, is is a big, big blow. Um, but and look, he was supposed to replace Tyrese Hunter. Yeah. So losing him for the season was huge. Yeah, and he was, it, he's a good tough, player. But Temple like, translate, like, yeah. good player. Jerron Holmes, really good player. Uh, Oshun Oshuni, really good player. Um, they have role players around them. If Gabe Kalsher can find a way to get back to what he was as a freshman at Minnesota, like there's, I see what you're saying, Fanta, and I don't, yeah, I, like I don't disagree. It's just that man, that injury to Jeremiah Williams was a killer. Um, let's yeah. do this. I want to, I want to, I want to walk through uh, what we think proper expectations for each of these teams are, and I do want to talk about Texas and Texas Tech in this spot. So Kansas and Baylor, we all agree, Big Twelve title threats, national title threats, have a very real chance to get back to the Final Four. Any disagreement there? No disagreement. Yep. I, I think right. I think second weekend is more realistic for Kansas Elite Eight. I, I I don't know that they have the firepower like they did last year. Yeah, they probably don't. But like I I they're they're we're we're all in agreement. They're very very good. Yes, Two of the best right. teams in the conference, right? Two of the best teams yes. in the country. All right, uh, Texas TCU Texas Tech. They're all teams that can get to the second weekend. We talked about TCU. I don't think we need to kind of rehash that. They should be a Sweet Sixteen this year. Let's talk about Texas first. Uh, to this is a team, what I think is most fascinating about them is they have some of these guys, I want to call them post-hype transfers, right? Where everyone was all over Marcus Carr and all over Dylan Dusu and all over Christian Bishop and all over Timmy Allen when they were coming in last last season. Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen kind of had somewhat disappointing years, even though they did get some all Big 12 honors. Dylan Dusu was banged up. Christian Bishop didn't really come on until the end of last season. So where do you stand on this Texas team? I have them fifth. I have them behind Texas Tech and TCU. Uh, the only thing is, is what their problems were last year. Are they going to be the same problems? Like Timmy Allen, uh, I thought was excellent in spurts. And whenever he has room to operate, he's really good because then he could draw that second defender and pass. And they did some really creative things to make him effective, even though he can't shoot it. I think a lot of this season hinges on whether or not he's going to be able to hit some shots from the perimeter. He was a pretty good mid-range guy last year. He needs to be better uh, to extend out some defenses, but he provides a lot of stuff for you. I really like the Dylan Mitchell kid, but, but he's more of a defensive lightning rod and athlete. Is he an offensive threat from the perimeter? 
Probably not. So who's going to score? I heard Tyrese Hunter. I talked to somebody last week uh, that was at Texas's practice that he's really improved from the perimeter. We'll see how that goes. He needs to be a better shooter. I like their pieces as far as defensively. I like their pieces. Are they going to be able to score or is it going to be a lot of the same things from Texas this year? And Marcus Carr has been highly effective on bad. He's a good numbers, bad team guy so far. Is he going to be able to turn a lot of those good numbers into wins is a big concern of mine. Hmm. Panta? Well, I when I look at Texas – I think that Marcus Carr is the single most important piece because when, when they brought him over, they anticipated some of those numbers to be a high percentage of what they were in Minnesota. Mm. When they first made that acquisition, the immediate reaction was Texas just got a guard that on his best days is an all American type of talent. Now it's time for Marcus Carr to start really performing like that this season. And Mm -hmm. you have help. The, the keys to the car are in this backcourt's hands. They've got to have Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr deliver. Look, yep. th- this is a team that's going to defend like hell. They're, they're going to defend really, really well. They're going to make life difficult for you. And, and I'm a fan of, of what Timmy Allen and Dylan Mitchell can do for, for this team. And I think that Dylan Mitchell, what he ends up being, what Dylan Mitchell ends up being could totally change where Texas ends up, Chris Beard has raved about him. He said he's mature beyond his years. He said he's the perfect fit for the program. I'm excited. I'm as excited to watch Dylan Mitchell on a team as, as anybody early in the season because I just want to see how he meshes in this equation. Christian Bishop, to me, at the five, if that's your starting five, which certain line of projections have that. Like, you're exactly right, Rob. It took Bishop a lot of time to figure out what he was doing last year. And I, I wondered, like, if Texas was the best fit for Bishop. I, I didn't think that he necessarily fit their system in a great way. So, like, I'm not as bullish on Texas's front court. I think that their backcourt is where their season's going to lie. And if that backcourt can mesh, that's the difference between Texas being a top 12 team in the country and a team that could make the Elite Eight. And if they're just a first-round exit in the NCAA tournament. They need Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr to be one of the best backcourt. They're not going to be the best backcourt in the conference because Baylor's is far and away better than anybody else. But they need to be one of the best backcourts in that conference. They got to be on the same uh, – on par with Mike Miles and Damian Ball if they're going to win. And I think that that's in the realm of possibility if Marcus Carr can be a uh, numbers-on-a-winning team guy and if Tyrese Hunter can take a step forward when it comes to his shooting ability. To me, and we'll get into this later, that the single biggest X factor on that roster and in the Big 12 might be Dylan Disu. I'll talk about that in a second. All right, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Texas Tech. They are rebuilding that roster again. They're going to have – uh, basically nine new faces in their rotation, right? Um, the only guy coming back is Kevin O'Banner, who had a good season, not a great season. They're going to look different this year because instead of having 17 guys that are 6'6 and athletic, we're going to have a couple of big bodies inside. And Fardals, when he gets back from his uh, his foot injury, and Daniel Batcho, we're going to have some smaller guards. Devian Har- Harmon specifically coming in. Uh, he, he was a starter at Oklahoma, then a starter at Oregon, and now he is back to be a starter at, um, at Texas Tech. Name to keep an eye on. Jalen Tyson, yeah. the transfer yeah. from Texas. He's been as impressive as anybody in practice. The The staff is raving about him. They've been raving about him. He's a guy that's going to have, a, I think, a bigger impact than people realize. 
Uh, he was in a tough I, spot at Texas, though, man. Like, he was the only freshman on that entire mm-hmm. team, and that was just a bad fit. I mean, you got to bring freshmen in with freshmen. It's tough to be the only one, I think. Yeah, sure. But now, and now he's going to be, he's a redshirt. What is he? A redshirt, whatever. A sophomore hey, at Texas Tech. I expect him to have a big season. They got Kerman Walton, a shooter coming in. So it's going to be, it's going to look a little bit different this year, right? I don't think that they're going to be winning games necessarily 49 to 48. I think you're going to have a little bit more offensive firepower, but it's Mark Adams and you know, they're going to play hard. T.O., give me, you got 30 seconds. What do you think of the, the Red Raiders? I really like the Debbie on Harmon. He doesn't fit their traditional mold of a bigger guard that can switch and, and, and things like that, but his tenacity and defensive ability do on the basketball. He's a big and strong guy. He's improved every single year from three. I thought he was a quality addition. I think Kerwin Walton is better than what he was allowed to show at Carolina. Uh, his ability to knock down shots. I think he shot like in the high 40s, his freshman season, sophomore year comes around, falls out of the good graces of Hubert Davis. But if you go back and look at his film, he's creating off the bounce a lot more than than I initially thought. Like he can really make things happen with the basketball. That has to happen in the Big 12 because defenses are so good. What ends up happening is everything breaks down offensively. You got to create something. They have two guys that can do that before Fardos comes back. I think Devion Harmon. Uh, and Kerwin Walton can both do that. And then you get a bonus with Jason or Jalen Tice. Yep. All right. So Oklahoma State, Kansas State, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and I'm missing somebody on this list. Um, but the, like, do you see anyone else out of that group making it? I don't it? think you're missing anybody. I think you got everyone. No, you got yeah, 10 you got teams. Everyone. Yeah. Is there anyone else out of that group that you could see make the tournament? I would make the argument Kansas State and West Virginia and Oklahoma State all have the tournament is all within the realm of possibility um, with them. I think sure. Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state to me is, is going to find their way into the tournament because I think they've got the right kind of balance. And I think that if Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson can be the tandem that drives that bus, you know, all right, I'm not getting bit by the pronunciation. Is it CSA? Yes. Yeah, you know that Musa Cisse is going to protect the rim. Yes. So you've got an elite rim protector. If they have, it's a little bit similar to Texas. They're kind of like Texas light with, with their backcourt. They're going to need Avery Anderson, Bryce Thompson to drive this bus to upperclassmen guys, two guys who averaged in double figures a year ago. And if they can find enough complimentary scoring, and if they could shoot the basketball, Oklahoma state season, shooting, 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 shooting. Shooting, Oklahoma shooting. State season hinges on perimeter shooting. If they get it, they're going to be in the tournament. You, Mike Boyden, to me, I think this is a redemption year. I think it's a, I think it could be a good story in college hoops. The Pokes are going to dance this year. There's my, there's my prediction. I think Oklahoma State will get there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, they made three key additions. Only two of them are going to be eligible. John Michael Wright coming in from High Point. Uh, he can shoot it lead guard Caleb Asbury more of an off guard can 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 shoot it as well uh not having Russell Harrison who was uh ruled that he already used all of his years of eligibility um hurts because he's six seven and athletic and, and can I, make love that. I love that like no he can't play he's 30 yeah he can't play this this would be his seventh <laughs> year of college basketball so um yeah I'm, I think Oklahoma State can make it West Virginia we'll get to them later because I think that they can uh <coughs> They can make it as well. All right. Player of the year in the conference. I have Jalen Wilson heading in. What do you guys have? Oh, boy. You know, I said this with TCU. I'm going to go with Mike Miles. 
I, I just, I understand that, that that's an easy pick as well, but it's, it's very tempting to take Wilson because I think if he does get the perimeter shot going, he's an NBA player. The, the testing the waters, the reason why he's back at Kansas is because the guy had catch and shoot opportunities. I was covering him at, at the G League camp that they had along with the combine. They were trying to set him up for threes, guys, and he was finding a lot of iron in Chicago. It wasn't going well. So he's back at Kansas because he's got to get that perimeter game right. Mike Miles is such a high-level talent, and if you put him in a Kansas or Baylor uniform, I think we're talking about him even more. I think part of the reason why the nation doesn't fully understand just how good of a guard he is is because he wears a TCU uniform. Mm -hmm. Notice I didn't put Texas into the brand conversation on this argument. I'm going to go with Mike Miles. Uh, I, I think he will lead TCU to a promised land that the program has not seen. T.O.? I think it's it's crazy to even think this or assume this, but Keontae George could be a freshman and win it. Yeah, I don't disagree. Like, he, I don't disagree. he is really, really talented. He's got that dog in him. He's got he, mm-hmm. dog, dog. Uh, just and he's he perfect can... for what Scott Drew wants out of a guard, right? That's right. He could score it off the bounce. He could come off of down screens. Um, he can play off the ball. If you want to put him into ball screens, let him go go rock. He can do it. He can pass it a little bit too. Like he he's everything that you want out of a guard. That team is going to be so dang with with a healthy Adam Flagler, a healthy LJ Cryer, and Keontae George. Like those three, I don't know how, how do you stop that? How do you guard them? Yeah, and he played right. so well this summer, and and he raises to the level of competition, mm-hmm. which. He's he's a pretty unique uh, he's a pretty unique freshman. Yeah. All right. So if we're going to talk about first team all conference, I think that you have to take Keontae. You have to take Mike Miles. You have to take Jalen Wilson. I would also have Adam Flagler and Timmy Allen from Texas on my first team. Um, I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. any disagreements there, but throw Dewan De- uh, yeah. Harris, L.J. Cryer, Avery Anderson, Kevin O'Banner, and Musa Cece on my second team. I don't know if you guys have anything different, but that's just what we did at the Almanac. I did the Almanac Big Twelve preview, so. I, I think you're idea. right on. I mean, I, I don't think I would change a thing about that because you kind of – you have Allen on the first team. You have to put him on there with his productivity down mm-hmm. the stretch in the season. So that's that's why, like, I know we talked about him and said there were spurts at times, but to me he's on the first team. And I, I think the wild card of the whole situation could be if Dylan Mitchell – pans out to the degree Chris Beard hopes he pans well, out. Well, let's uh, – hold on. I'm going to get into Johnson. that. So, that, that, yeah, Johnson to me, like- there's to me, there's two X factors in the league, right? One of them is the health of Keontae Johnson and Naquan Tomlin. We kind of talked about that. The other one is Dylan Disu, who when he transferred out of Vanderbilt, he was coming off of a season where he averaged 15.5 points, 9.2 boards, and shot 37% from three on a team that – was I think they won like six games in the SEC, but he had big games against Kentucky. He had big games against some of these other power programs uh, in the SEC, and he was banged up in the offseason. He didn't have an offseason. Like Chris Beard, I don't know if he said it to you when you talked to him, Fanna, but one of the things that he said over and over and over again is he did. He started last season in the training room, right? He didn't have an offseason. He didn't have a chance to work. He didn't have a chance to improve. He was on a minutes restriction. He was on a pitch count. Like he he couldn't be who he was for like until February. And once you got to February, it's very hard to change the rotation. So uh, they are expecting big things out of him. And if he gets back to being that guy that was like a top three transfer in the portal heading into the 2021-22 season, 
then I think that, that that kind of changes things, right? Especially if Marcus Carr and Tyrese, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of if this happens, then this happens on this Texas team. But there mm-hmm. there is very much a a a world, a potential outcome where Marcus Carr finds his true identity. Uh, Dylan Disu makes that step up. Tyrese Hunter starts knocking down shots. Timmy Mitchell is who he is. Dylan Mitchell is a guy that comes, or Timmy Allen is who he is. Yeah. Dylan Mitchell comes off the bench and is an elite defender. And Christian Bishop is a lob threat and a guy that can space the floor a little bit. And all of a sudden we're looking at Texas like, oh shit, that's a top 10 team. So hey, to me, those are the, those are the X factors in that conference. I looked at your all conference and, and I agree with everything you put. I do think that if Kansas is going to win this league, that by season's end, he's not on the preseason, all conference teams, but by preseason, by season's end, Kevin McCuller will be an all league selection because that's what it would take for Kansas to be at the top of the conference. Because that's what I also think of McCuller and how impactful he is on a great team. Yep. Um, all right. So bold predictions, Fanta. We're going to you first. Then we'll try To see if uh, see if he has any like real bold predictions. Any nothing, something better than Minnesota making the NIT. Fanta, what's your bold prediction in the Big 12? Here, let PC, me go first. Let no, me go, no, let me, no go I know. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. Baylor's going to win the national championship. Ooh, I like it. Wow. I like yeah, it. I hate I, it. The, the, the longer I look at it, the more I think it. And when I look at how tough they are, when I look at Cryer and Flagler, the way that Cryer came on last year. Mm-hmm. It was incredible to watch. It was incredible to watch. And all like when I hear T.O. then say Keontae George could be the player of the year. Mm. So you're telling me you've got he Cryer. was preseason player of the year in the SEC before he got hurt. And he was well on his way to doing it before that, before the health scare. But so you talented dude. You, Keontae tell- George at Baylor, not Keontae Johnson at Kansas yeah, State. Yeah, I'm talking Come about Come on, T.O. Okay. Sorry, George oh. Johnson. No, look, did, look, yeah, what are guys, we doing here? I got here? in at one. I got what are we in doing here, fans? Unbelievable. I got in at one. Well, T.O., bold prediction. I spent the day with you guys yesterday. You guys went home, got to sleep real good. I'm going to cry a little bit about the Guardians. Next thing I know, I had to fly. I got stuck at LaGuardia. It took entirely LaGuardia. too long to the wrong way. Well, LaGuardia. look, that's your, own, that's your own damn fault for flying into LaGuardia, okay? T.O., give me a bold prediction. Same give me a bold prediction. Keontae Johnson makes first team. I think he wow, comes back. It. I think he oh, comes back man, and has a great season. He has been ready to go for bordering on what year and a half now. He's been coach key for, for all of last season. He finally gets his opportunity. Uh, Jerome Tang has dealt with players that have had health Bingo. scares of the same sort before, so he somewhat knows how to deal with it. Obviously, yeah. The that, to elaborate on that, I, I talked with him at length about that in the offseason. And um, the first time that he had to deal with it, and for any coach that has to deal with it, like have you seen a player collapse from a heart issue? Like it's that can scary. score. And then it's when scary. you have that player come back and this guy that you're supposed to take care of, there's there's a level of nervousness asking someone to push themselves. Because when you're playing this level of college basketball and you're a coach, you're asking players to push themselves beyond what they think they can accomplish and what they think they can do. And when you do that with someone where you've seen them fall out and you know that they have a heart issue, like yeah. it can be hard to do that. And Jerome yeah. Tang has, has dealt with that numerous times over the years, whether it was King McClure uh jared butler i don't know if we're supposed to talk about that um it was uh isaiah austin dealt with something Mm -hmm. when he was there um they've had they've had experience with this and i think that that really 
can impact the way that you can coach a player like that. And you can understand that you can push them a little bit and, and, and where the, where the breaking point is. So that matters. Here's my bold prediction, both Kansas state and West Virginia make it into the NCAA tournament. We haven't had much time to talk about West Virginia, but one of the things that Bob Huggins really, really emphasized to me was that he didn't have his guys. He didn't have guys that wanted to compete. He didn't have guys that wanted to win on his roster last year. I think he retooled this, his lineup, with guys that fit what he wants, whether it's Eric Stevenson coming in from South Carolina, whether it's Joe Toussaint transferring in um, from Iowa. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Iowa. Um, There's, there's pieces on this roster that better fit what a Bob Huggins basketball team is. And I think what we're going to see is uh, them take a return to being, I don't want to say quite press Virginia, but being more of a team where you're not just relying on a bunch of guys throwing up a bunch of threes. They don't want to play any defense. We're going to see West Virginia with it. Bob Huggins is too good not to find a way to make it work with a bunch of guys. Like, that's just yeah, – Trey Mitchell is there. Emma Matthews mm-hmm. Jr. comes back mm-hmm. from Washington. I, I just – I don't know where the scoring comes from. And Kadrian yeah, Johnson, right? Yep. I'm telling you – Not Joe, huge. Joe, not huge on West Virginia. Joe Toussaint, the impact that he's going to have, the yeah. ability that he can have, get out and transition and just kind of use his speed and his quickness at the point guard spot is something that I think is going to work a lot better for West Virginia than did for Iowa. But listen, guys, this Hoody is fun. Hootie averaged three points a game last year. Hey, who'd he play for, though? It's a good transfer. I always say, who's, who are you coached by? He was, he's coached I always up. say that. I always say that. He's coached up by Fran McCaffrey. Yeah. T.O., T.O., just, just – you know, just average three points. Keep it, a game. In, keep it in the back of your mind. Yeah. All right. I'm the one that tried to tell you about Trey Alexander, and you said, nah, he's a bum. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's complete fib. <laughs> All, right, All right. Good luck with the cat. This has been the DTF podcast. I have to take my cat to the vet uh to uh for a lot of different reasons. My cat you are you you look like a cat person. I'm not a cat person. I'm a dog person, but we have uh, also in that the house that we bought, uh, I am apparently a mouse person in our basement. So having a cat clean up that problem for us has been, uh, there you you go. It's been, it's been nice. There you go. She's, she's, uh, she's earned her keep around here and I will never say anything bad about her. Um, although having the present evil, man, I don't know if you ever had a cat before, but, uh, what they do when they catch something is they'll catch it, they'll kill it. (laughs) And then they'll leave it as a present for you. So when you come down in the morning at 630 and you're going to get your coffee and you go and you almost step on a dead mouse laying in the middle of your kitchen floor that your cat has left you as a present because she loves you so much, that can be uh, a little disconcerting, fellas. Well, that's a good that's a good thing, because that's what Baylor's going to do in the rest of the Big 12. (laughs) There you go. Uh, All right. For John fans of Fort Terrence Ogles, we make sure you go buy some merch in the store below. Subscribe to the daily in the link below. Buy the Almanac if you haven't bought it yet. We're coming to you next week. We have some more announcements coming on the uh, on the field of 68 and after dark. More news on that coming very soon as well. Fellas, it's been a pleasure.